0: So I just want to start off by thanking you all for taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, right now, I'm work, uh, working closely with a group uh, on a clinical research diversity initiative to learn more about the minorities that are currently immersed in the industry and how they feel diversifying the industry further and clinical trials in totality will help contribute to marketable, drug, marketable drugs. So I want to start by getting an introduction from each one of you.
1: Um, okay, I'll go, I'll go first. Um, as you can see over here, <laughs> uh, my name is Ashley Margo. Um, I'm actually a senior remote site monitor at a global CRO. I'm also the founder of the AM Approach, where I help individuals in the industry or even external to the industry advance or you know get the first step foot in. And also one of the co-founders for both the Clinical Research Circle, the uh, University of Clinical Research, and uh, Latinos in Clinical Research.
2: Okay. Hello, my name is Monica. Fuitiba. Thank you for inviting us uh, to this. Um, I am Colombian, Latino, of course. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm mentioning this because you put that in your page uh, that you would like us to mention uh, the ethnicity. So here I am. <laughs> um, I am um I am one of the co-founders of Latinos in Clinical Research, the Clinical Research Circle and the Clinical Research University. And and additionally, I co own a site. Um, We, I have been working in the industry for around almost 10 years now. And I started with Chris and Dan. They were my mentors since the beginning. So I was that lucky. (laughs) And and it's been amazing. uh, it's been an amazing uh, right working in this industry and learning every day more and more. Nice.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
3: My name is Dan Sfera. I'm a professional TikToker.
4: Um,
3: oh, um, nice. nice. In the clinical trial. <laughs> Right here, you, my clinical trials. We could talk a lot about diversity here.
4: Hi, I'm uh, Chris Sauber. Um, primary duties are... Uh, we offer a consulting service, Dan and I, so I advise many sites throughout the country. Um, we also consult with CROs and sponsors on a couple of sites, uh, also a co-founder of Latinos in Clinical Research.
0: Okay, nice. So I feel like with anyone that is attempting to get into the industry, it's really, you un- um important to understand the steps that need to be taken and more so the educational background that individuals have. So if you could elaborate a little bit more on your educational background and how you got into clinical research, whether it was an advisor at school and a video on TikTok, or just what prompted you and in, uh, in, introduced you to the industry? So to start actually. Um,
1: okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually just graduated not too long ago, I would say about four five Years ago, it's kind of long actually, never mind. <laughs> uh, but so, for me, I was uh, pre med and I had a you know a biology background. The works I actually came from a rural area called the Rio Grande uh, Valley, and um, well, there really wasn't a lot of resources on research. And just recently, they're starting to boom on that information, so I'm happy about that. But um, yeah, I, I didn't know anything about any pathways other than the usual medicine. Um, and so I pretty much applied to several jobs, um, and I got into public health and it wasn't until I was in public health that I kind of understood the, you know, expansion of where my background in life sciences could actually go. And I had already worked in the clinical industry since I was 19. So I had about 10 years behind me already. Um, and so, uh, ultimately I just Googled a lot of what I could do as, you know, This background, that background. And I came across Dan on YouTube. I uh, reached out to him. Oh, sorry. So sorry about that, my dog. (laughs) Um, So I reached out to him and, you know, it just kind of, you know, funneled through there. But uh, yeah, there really wasn't a lot of resources, especially, you know, in, you know, the rural area that I was from, which is predominantly, I would say, 98 to 99% Latinos. And so um, I'm actually still helping guide some of my friends that are coming out of college or that are coming out of careers that, you know, really aren't that expanded and, you know, educating them on research. But that's partially also why I was passionate to be a part of Latinos in Clinical Research and even more so about um, being a part of the initiative to create the University of Clinical Research because we help students uh, from all over the world if they want. It's a virtual virtual teaching course to get them in and get them that knowledge that they need and um, show them how
2: and where to go nice. Okay, so in my case, it was an accident. (laughs) Um, I have a bachelor's in marketing, and I also have a bachelor's in business with a specialization in healthcare. I learned a a little bit about research, and that little bit that I learned uh, was basically... um, the ignition for me to have interest in the pharmaceutical industry however i wasn't sure in which in which area um i came back to california and i started networking and by accident i met uh chris and dan and uh, and uh, here i am it, it was an absolutely amazing accident <laughs> for me um since the very first moment that I start working and I start learning, I start feeling passionate about it because I learn um, the impact that you can have in your life and in the life of other people, the quality of life of others. And, and then uh, it's fascinating to learn more and more with each, with each uh, protocol about different conditions, the technology that is out there. And, and, uh, um, it just, um, I, I think being part of this industry is having like, a, like a poison or, uh, something in your veins that is difficult, is difficult then to get off because it's, it's so much, uh, that involves this industry so much that the impact, and then additionally, the impact that you can have in your own community is, is really motivating too. Um, And that's basically what happened uh, and then how I got into the industry. Beautiful.
4: beautiful. So it's funny how all things kind of seem to roll to Dan. Uh, (laughs) Ashley started with Dan, Monica, me and Dan. With both
2: of you. (laughs) Yeah, and
4: then uh, I started with Dan as well. Um, Mine was just, as Monica said, kind of dumb luck. Um, I really don't want to go into the long story. But yeah, it initiated with Dan. and then Dan expanded, Dan and I expanded on uh, Dan's YouTube channel and things have grown from there.
3: Yeah, and I got in because I was pre-med, well, pre-pharmacy, then pre-med. And then I realized I couldn't, probably couldn't have a chance in getting into any of them. And uh, my dad was a PI, but he didn't really know much about research. He was just thrown in as a PI of this group and told me that if I want to have a chance to get into any of those schools I should do research so I started out as a volunteer at a site which was very chaotic and the business almost closed and then I had the opportunity to um, basically take over and that's when I started searching for information on Google because this was like right when YouTube was starting to become popular but i didn't people didn't think to search youtube back then uh for info it was just google and i couldn't find anything other than like things behind a paywall which actually not much has changed really since then uh even though it's about 17 years later other than a few channels and some podcasts now you you still have a bunch of paywalls and it's kind of a um, elusive industry to, to get into or, or to to try to learn like the basics. So that kind of set the foundation, the demand for that, there's obviously demand set the foundation for us to do all kinds of things. I mean, the YouTube channel first, but then even the things we're doing with Latinos in clinical research and the universities and the online trainings and all those kind of things. So it all kind of stemmed from the fact that there's no information out there and there still isn't any. But
1: I'd like to add to that, and that's also why Latinos in Clinical Research, um, we don't charge our members because we all came from a place where we were looking for information or we kind of fell into it perhaps by, you know, by accident. And so, um, and coming from you know, me, I college, I really wish I could have had an organization like Latinos in Clinical Research where I could just join, not have to pay anything, you know, and just have free content, free access to people in the industry and information. And so um, I believe at the moment we're the only ones that don't charge. Um, and so we're, we're, we're you know, wanting to keep it that way so that we can help people, especially those that don't even know if they want to be in the industry, get some idea of what, you know, what it is and if it fits for them.
0: Right. Any, okay. So you speaking on finances, of course, and charging and just getting in, into the industry, you know, uh, being a clinical research professional can be very lucrative. I mean, I honestly, prior to joining the industry, didn't know how this could set me up, um, the benefits of working with certain employers that offer to pay student loans or just to sponsor going back to school or any of those benefits. So can you just elaborate a little bit on how financially uh, beneficial the clinical research industry has been for you?
1: Uh, okay, I'll go, I'll go first. Uh, um, so for me coming in, it was uh, pretty amazing. I was already, you know, starting at the ind- uh, clinical industry young, I was getting paid for my age, I was obviously getting paid on the higher bracket. Um, but going from public health, training into clinical research, um, You know, it increased by a good percentage uh, in finances, which ultimately, you know, uh, propelled me forward to be able to have better living circumstances, uh, also to help, you know, family, obviously. Uh, But even more so, um, it, I mean, this opinion is different for everybody, but it also kind of shed light on whether education was more valuable, like formal education or certification, right? And how fast could I actually, or somebody propel forward as opposed to, you know, spending all this money on student loans, right? All this extra time and leveling that took time to come out and possibly, you know, make the same level as me if I just got two extra certifications that was less than half the time, right? And so um, it pretty much removed my want to continue on further education through, you know, masters, et cetera. And it kind of, handled me into becoming more uh, self-sufficient and understanding different uh, therapeutic areas, different certifications and ultimately skill sets that would kind of topple in together. And what Dan always says, becoming a generalist and being able to be fluid, right. And um, all of that. So uh, it has done a lot for me in the past uh, two and a half years that I've been with a global CRO. And uh, I mean, I expect that in the next year, two years, it's going to do even that much more. So, um, always trying to tell students that are in life science industry that are considering this, that you can really go far, especially if you're, again, um, Latino, but, or any background, any ethnicity, right? Because we are all from, uh, at least from like uh, Latino speaking, right? Um, we don't have a lot of resources and there, we think that our pay is the highest pay gap. And really that's, that's not the case. I mean, I had no idea that at this age I would, where I'm at financially, right, and where I could actually move forward, and so um, it's it's been amazing, as, and it would be even more beneficial if we could have these hero and sponsors provide that knowledge out and use organizations like Black Women in Clinical Research, Latinos in Clinical Research to get access to those individuals, get that knowledge out there, and actually get that word spread, right? So, yeah.
2: Thank you, thank you, Ashley. Sorry. Monica, well. Yeah, in my case, obviously, this industry it offers a lot, um, and it, it it is it, it offers not just uh, uh, because people have a different perspective or have different idea what this industry is about. Um, most of people think this is a group of or a bunch of nerds uh, with white coats, right? And in reality, it, this industry has has it all. Anything you can think of, we have it in pharmaceutical and in the research industry and and not just that, but pays better than any other industry. So why not taking a chance on on this industry? Uh, We only get most of the time bad um, advertisement and that's why uh, it's also kind of um, an industry that I I, I will say that in the the, uh, healthcare industry is probably the black sheep, right? Uh, because it, it has a lot of stigmatization yeah. um, so for me this is this is a, an industry that can offer you everything you can think of the sky is the limit uh, it has a lot of job opportunities it has a lot of ways to for you to become an entrepreneur and create your own uh, organization um and, uh, and And on top of that, like I was mentioning before, obviously the impact out there, right? Mm-hmm. So it's uh, financially, I think it's one of the most stable industries. It is the one of the most regulated, but it's also one of the most stable industries for anybody, even for students that recently graduate. They can just join this industry as like for example, uh, clinical research assistants or clinical research coordinators after getting some sort of education, like for example, with us uh, through the uh, the University of Clinical Research. Um, and then after that, they can actually see uh, in which path, which direction they want to go and have a more solid uh, foundation and a solid idea of what they want to do in life. Something that truly brings them joy and passion. So, I think, like like my grandma says, uh, you have to try the clothing before you buy it. So that's the way. That's a that I think that's a, a great way to do it. And 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 like and like I say, even even if it's not in the scientific path, you can always go like for example, marketing, or you can go finance. Anything we have everything in research. Yes,
4: right. the Only thing that I really would have to add to what Monica and Ashley have already stated is that there's a lot of diversity in terms of positioning in clinical research, regardless of your educational background. You can find a home in, in clinical research. Um, it can be in mathematics, can probably even be in philosophy, and you can probably find a position that would match up with your background. So there, there's a lot of potential, a lot of diversity in terms of education in clinical research
3: yeah not only that I mean there's I was just telling Katie, so we have Katie here she's uh she just started hi Katie she just started as a <laughs> coordinator, but she's she has a bachelor's degree and she's actually going to get a doctorate of physical therapy next year um but you know there's like and then our other employees a c n a no bachelor's degree, but they're doing the same job right now, and they both have the potential to do. The same things or different things, depending on the routes they choose. So obviously, if you have a bachelor degree, uh, that's a big requirement. That's a major requirement to be a CRA, to work at a sponsor. Although there are people who don't have those degrees as well, although it's pretty rare. Um, and if you're someone like a CNA and you just start building up a lot of research experience, you can be a site director, you could be a lead coordinator, you can start your own site. I mean, there's so many things you can do. There's, there's degrees to this, like there's, you know, it's, it's like a spectrum. The problem is when you start out, regardless of your background, usually you're starting out very low as far as income is concerned, because somebody has to train you. Somebody has to take the chance regardless of your, of your educational background, but that can change very quickly. I mean, in like 12 months or less, in many cases, if you're with the right company. Um, And then there's the whole aspect of entrepreneurship within this space, which a lot of our CRA colleagues are starting to figure out. So there's a lot. And obviously, everything that's already been said by Ashley, Monica and Chris, I agree with, but there's a whole nother aspect as well.
0: Thank you. Thank you, everyone. So uh, let's dive into diversity. You know, I I just want each of you to kind of expound on the uh, importance of diversity in the clinical research industry and the lack of diversity that you've noticed, if any. And that can be in in terms of the clinical research professionals or the sites that you oversee and the clinical trials that
1: you participate in. Sure. Um, I'll go first. Uh, So um, you know, uh, I'm from a global CRO, so, and they have you know ample representation in South America. And so, um, at least on my end, from, from that perspective, you know, I, I feel that there is good representation internally. Obviously, with everything that the movement that's been happening since COVID, um, there's been a lot of push forward, right, towards diversity. I do feel that the focus on Latinos has actually dwindled compared to, you know, uh, other areas. Um, I do feel that, you know, that will be changing very soon, which is good, because it, it should. Um, but uh, I, I do, you know, we have meetings with other CROs and sponsors and um, that are looking, or, you know, just communicating. It hasn't been anything official yet, but looking to, you know, find some way to collaborate. And the, the common focus is that, you know, they don't have enough representation of Latinos, uh, not just, you know, patient diversity, but also internally. And even more so, which we had a, you know, recent in- interesting, you know, stat given to us um but that you know uh, out of the patient out of the population internally um of latinos that a very 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 small extremely small percent of those actually move up in higher management right which i do feel is possibly smaller than you know uh maybe other ethnic groups which i i, I personally found that very very interesting um again i think it has to do with resources you know um confidence in regards to, you know, uh, if they're being seen or not, right, and language barrier and all these kinds of things and and topics that need to be uh, discussed. But I feel that because there's uh, the component of language barrier and or um, resources, I feel that that's also why it might be, you know, slightly difficult uh, barrier to approach. Um, But it's extremely important because, um, you know, and In any aspect, uh, as far as having ample representation, especially, again, the language, Um, I know from somebody personal um, that uh, works for, you know, another company or whatever, and they're trying to hire nurse bilingual nurses like crazy, because there's just more and more and more Latino patients from all over, right, and they need to speak Spanish, Right. So just as much as you need those Spanish speaking patients or, you know, that diverse patient set, you have to have the internal component as well to be able to accurately process those patients throughout to make sure that they're being taken care of. Right. And so um, I think it's it's a full 360 approach that we need to have. Um, And, you know, there's just so many ways that we can go about this. But I feel like the main component is that you need to collaborate with, you know, Organizations that help that are external, not internal, because I know not a lot of companies are creating these internal groups, but you know there's, there's a lot more to that. You need those external components as well. And so um, at Latinos in clinical research, we are open to that discussion. We you know, invite that discussion so that we can all move forward together. Nice.
2: Thank you, Monica. Okay, so to amplify a little bit more on the diversity part um we also is also important obviously ethnicity is very important because uh, obviously we need uh, the 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 different communities to participate in clinical trials that way the the treatments or the medications or any investigation product that we're testing uh, uh, works uh, good in every single community. Um, and then on top of that, the industry obviously, Besides the diversity, the ethnicity part also needs to be diversified in many other areas, in many different positions. Because oftentimes people have the 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 access maybe to enter to the industry, but in some point just hit the wall because there are no opportunities to the different uh, other um, positions or or job opportunities in this. Let's say, for example, in the to be uh, uh, in the top, top executive uh, position, right? Um, and this also includes the age, the gender, the sexual orientation, people with disabilities on top of the ethnicity. And uh, we need all those perspectives so that way we can understand and better uh, design the protocols. Exactly, exactly. All right, Chris.
3: Well, I started in schizophrenia studies and African-Americans are 2.4 times more likely than anyone else to have schizophrenia. So I I never saw this as an issue, mainly because of the studies I was doing, until I got on LinkedIn and started reading other people's experiences. And then I realized, OK, it's probably probably is an issue. I think a lot of progress has been made. Um, especially on the workforce front, um, I think a lot more has to be done when it comes to rare disease and oncology specifically. I think the stats there are about 80% Caucasian, uh, I can't remember if it's male or female, but 80% Caucasian. So we definitely need to make improvements there and across multi-therapeutic indications. Um, but I do think I, I've personally seen, I know it's anecdotal, a big improvement as far as workforce, like two, my two CRAs right now, they're both African-American women. Um, I think we can do more as far as Latin Hispanic patients as well. And a lot of that probably has to do with the language barrier, but also a lot has to do with the cultural issues that Monica, Ashley, and Judy can discuss much better than I can, but it's one of the reasons why we have LICR.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm very similar to Dan, uh, being that I work here and live here in Southern California. I never really experienced a problem in that, in diversity. Um, in fact, I would say that we were more, we were very well represented in terms of diversity, Both. From an employment perspective and a patient perspective, and unfortunately, I'm not really on social media, so I don't know what that looks like um, in terms of people complaining, Um, but I've heard from many, uh, Dan, Monica, Judy, Ashley, that there is an issue, so that's why I'm here.
0: Right. And I'll just touch on some recent statistics that I saw that about 18 percent of the population is actually Hispanic. And it said maybe one to three percent of clinical trial participants are Hispanic. So it's like definitely, definitely a clear indication that there's an issue or there needs to be an increase in participation. But so with the initiative, because you all are doing a lot. So with the initiative that you are taking, what change would you hope to see? You know, how do you feel the initiative you are taking would impact, you know, society in totality? You feel like medication may be more specialized to not only treat the Current demographics that are participating in clinical trials, but others, or do you feel like it would result in an increase of rare diseases that only affect certain populations being more studied? Like, what do you feel like the initiative and the the test that you all are taking on will do for the the society
1: in general? Um, Well, I would like to say that our approach, and as you see, not just through LICR, but all the initiatives that we're doing, um, and all of our backgrounds and how we kind of come together. So it's a, f- a complete 360 approach. So we have Latinos in clinical research to touch on the topics that are important that aren't being discussed, and uh, giving that knowledge out there, getting knowledge out there to, for free to you know everybody, even those that aren't yet in the industry. Um, going through the university, we are providing the education from you know uh, CTA you know uh, certification all the way into PI management, medical writing clinical data management, right? And the way that that works, I mean, aside from just, you know, the higher end uh, certifications, CTA. So, you know, Dan was just talking about his, uh, you know, one of his uh, employees being a CNA, not able to move up, but so they need to get ex- some, some experience, right? So through this certification, they can they can get that exposure, have something on the resume, give them that opportunity to kind of, further advance themselves a little faster, as opposed to somebody that would just be coming in and saying, hey, I would like to maybe volunteer, right? Um, so you're helping, you know, the the population through finances, elevation, education, um, ultimately getting them in the industry, getting more background, right? Having more individuals that, you know, are from the actual rural areas uh, that speak the language, right? That have that, you know, cultural understanding. So ultimately, that funneling into the big CROs and sponsors over time of addressing the issue with the patients, right? And maybe, you know, ho- hopefully over time, helping with the patient diversity, right? So it's, like we say, grassroots, it's not just one area here or there. It's not just about CROs or sponsors, you know, kind of collaborating and just kind of posting their, their image with organizations. It's a, it's about seeing the full understanding view of what is needed to be done and slowly addressing each of those areas in as best way as possible. And so when we got together, we discussed about the different things that, you know, were needed, the different opportunities that we had, having that exposure to that this population. And not again, not just Latinos, LSER L- is open to all ethnicities, right? Um, and so um, getting that opportunity to help people on a much massive scale, much more bigger scale, um, and ultimately, you know, funneling that into the CROs and sponsors over time. And so um, we just want to collaborate so these sponsors, they can see the opportunity here, not just for them internally, but, you know, externally through patient. And um, I mean, it just, it just goes on and on, right? Um, there's so many things that can be done. And and the thing is, you know, LACR, we're the, so far the only Latino organization and like Black Women in Clinical Research. I mean, outside of SOCR and ACRP, I mean, you know, they have, two organizations here that they can work with, just like ACRP and SOCRA, and really make things happen, right? And so, um, I mean, yeah,
2: it's just, I can go on and on about this, but (laughs) just to add a little bit of what Ashley was saying, um, once the industry has that workforce organically, we're going to be bringing more a uh, diverse group of people participating in clinical trials because besides obviously having the language and the and and bringing with them all that di- that diversity uh they have families they have friends that now are going to learn a little bit more about the industry that now they're probably going to be participating in the clinical trials because they are now going to see it as an option, and then that person is going to talk to somebody else and then somebody else. And that's, 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 I mean, that's the idea of making the workforce diverse because uh, we learn more and we trust more our own community, our own people in you know, our, our own language. So this is, this is going to be naturally uh, going to uh, di- bring diversity to the industry. So that's why it's so important for us the part of the education. And we emphasize a lot in that. We concentrate a lot of our efforts in the education part because we want also the younger generations to learn more about this industry. So we break that stigmatization. And then on top of that, give more opportunities to the professionals, uh, middle-aged people that want to advance, that want to have maybe other career path and better finance in an industry that could offer better opportunities? And I mean, obviously this is for all ages, right? Not just the younger generation, so middle age, but also for elderlies, for women, men, I mean, you name it, for everybody.
4: Yeah, so, um, I mean, we need, we need more um, diversity and clinical research for patients so that they, they have access to medications that work for them. Um, and the way to do this is to increase uh, workforce diversity. That's simple. Is there anything you wanted to add, Dan? No,
3: not to this. I mean, we have it's kind of what we do on a day-to-day basis. So it, maybe just getting more clinics in the communities where the patients are actually seen. I think that's something that the industry doesn't want to do because it takes a lot of work. And that's, you know, this is one of the reasons, another reason why LICR exists and another reason why Chris and I kind of by accident discovered that, you know, go figure, it's a crazy idea. But if you open up clinics in communities where patients are actually seen, whether they're underserved or not underserved, they're going to have study opportunities. I mean, what a concept. And the industry doesn't want to do it because a lot of time and effort. And they rather have others like us do it, which we're happy to do because we've kind of made a business out of it as well. So a lot of work still needs to be done. And
2: to
1: just add, um, that's also why the University of Clinical Research really works so well, because you have these PIs that want to do research in a rural area, right? And ultimately, it becomes a thing of, well, now I need staff, right, that, need that no research. And then it's so difficult in a rural area because there's not resources. And so ultimately that's another thing as to how, you know, the university is super helpful because we have it for the entire scale. And, um, you know, ultimately if you, if you're PI and you need staff and you need training, well, here it is, it's virtual, you know, internship, et cetera. And, you know, giving that experience and exposure. So it's, again, the, our approach is hitting so many areas in so many ways that um, it's a lot to discuss, right? This is a t- uh, talk on, but, um, you know, ultimately what we've been doing is trying to create solutions of gaps that either, you know, sponsors aren't wanting to do or, or, you know, you know, there's just nobody out there trying to address that, right? And so we kind of created this all at the same time. It's been, you know, booming and it's 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 been helpful, you know? So we're hoping to just continue to give more and more and more. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Okay, this this was perfect. Um, I just wanted to see if there was anything else you all wanted to add to wrap up the interview.
3: Um, no, this was great. But Khadija, we got to do, um, I got to have you on the podcast again, on my podcast this time.
0: Yes, of course. Anytime.
3: And soon, like whenever you have time, Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll catch up afterwards.
0: Okay.
2: I would like to ask, if anybody wants to learn a little bit about the industry, join us on the Latinos in Clinical Research. (laughs) Very easy.
0: (laughs) Sorry, I'm recording, but I'll put that at the end of the uh, presentation. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, uh, because I did notice that you all were the co-founders, so I'll be sure to put your uh, email and phone numbers, if that's okay, from your signatures in our correspondence. For
3: sure. Thank you. Thank you everyone Thank for you watching. So much, you like, share. subscribe, comment, share. Bye bye.